I'm going to endeavor to just minister what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to begin at verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. Insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, for we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The same canvas that produced a great tempest was the same canvas Jesus used for a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? We've been emphasizing the wind of God. But even contrary winds still belong to him. So when they had come to the other side into the country of the Gerasenes, there met him too, possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass by that way. By the help of God's Spirit, and I do need his help, because it's not by power, it's not by might, but it is by his Spirit. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this simple subject. The storm on the way to the storm. The storm on the way to the storm. And I believe the Lord is going to speak to us. I feel that prophetic anointing that's been flowing all week, that's spilled over into this morning. And I believe it's here tonight. And I believe God can do anything. I know that may sound cliche. Some of us have that on our refrigerator as a magnet. Some of us post that on Facebook. That's not a cliche. That's a reality. I believe God can do anything. If you believe that, would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your voice? Would you open up your heart? Would you join your prayer with my prayer and my prayer with your prayer? Could we sink in the spirit right now? Oh, great God, we come to you tonight thanking you for what you are about to do in this house. God, we call on your great name. We call on your authority, oh God. We come against everything human or hellish that would oppose what you're getting ready to do. Loose the best gifts to be in operation tonight. Let the angels of the Lord minister to the heirs of salvation. And I thank you even now for what you will accomplish in the name of Jesus. Would you whisper that in the name of Jesus? Would you say that in the name of Jesus? Would you shout that in the name of Jesus? Now, if you really believe that prayer, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? God bless you and you may be seated. It's time for us to go 
to the other side. Just a simple line. It's the, it's the inaugural moment of, of this story. Jesus telling his disciples, we are going to go to the other side. But there is so much to that phrase because you have to understand what the other side is. You have to understand the method that they are taking to get to the other side. I, I want you to realize that Jesus is speaking to those that, 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 that are rooted in Jewish ideology and he is speaking to those that, 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 that work in the water. They are fishermen, but they, because of their Jewish background, have a great respect and fear of the deep. Luke would call it the abyss. They, they, they don't do business in treacherous waters. They, they don't do their business during the stormy sea. No, no, they hang out near the shallows and they drop their nets. They are not sailors, they are fishermen. The Jewish people, rabbis would say, were not water people. And so today, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. 80% of his ministry is done and performed around the, the Sea of Galilee. There is the Jewish triangle, Bethsaida, and per, Capernaum, and Chorazin. And, and, and he, he's worked and he's moved there and he's operated there. But, but today he says, we've got to go somewhere else. We've got to go to the other side. Now, I want you to realize what is happening when the disciples hear this. He tells them that they are not just going to go there, but they are going to go across the deep. They do not have the luxury to circumnavigate it. It would only take a day to walk around the sea and get to their destination. They could go around and get there. But Jesus says, no, we're going to traverse and step into the deep. Because there are some things in 2020 that Jesus has not allowed us to circle any longer. But he's looked at his bride. He's looked at his people. And he's looked at his church and said, man, ma'am. Family, husband, wife, you've been skirting around the spiritual and you've been skirting around intercessory prayer and you've been skirting around the deep places and there's some places that I am not going to allow you to get to unless you make up in your mind to step into the unknown, to step where feet have not trod before. Going to the other side is Decapolis. The rabbis would call it the land of the cast out ones. If you were even to mention the word Decapolis, you were declared unclean for seven days. Decapolis is where the pagans lived. That's where wickedness ruled. They were taught as young boys, if I ever find out You've been in Decapolis, then I'm gonna do something. Your mother ever get angry and then she got forgetful? I tell you, if you did that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> no, you didn't laugh. 
because you feared God and you you feared your mother. Or at least I did. And I still do. You don't go to Decapolis. That's where the line is. That's where the boundary is. That's where wickedness is. That's where vileness is. That's where darkness is. But today, Jesus says, I am going to go where no man has went. I'm going to cross the lines that you are told not to cross because I am on a mandate and I am on a mission to get to the cast out ones. I'm thankful for the sheep, but I I've got to get to another place. I've got to get to another city. I've got to get to another. Where were you when Jesus found you? You were a part of the cast out ones. But you met a man that said, I'm not going to let your ethnicity stop me. I'm not going to let your background stop me. I'm not going to let your past stop me. I'm not going to let your hatred or violence stop me. And Jesus came where other men dare not go. So they begin to get into the boat and they begin to go into the watery way. And somebody's whispering in the background, we could just walk that way. You know, it's, it's amazing because when you, when, when you study the Sea of Galilee, it really wasn't known for, for being a, a, a stormy place. But almost every story that involves Jesus and the disciples on the sea involve a storm. Because God does not need the permission of logic. God does not need the permission of science. God does not need the permission of the norm. God does not need the permission of stats. It doesn't matter how it's always been. When Jesus decides for something to happen, it has to happen anywhere, anytime, any place, and to anyone. So they're in the boat. Going to the other side. Going to do what he said. They're rolling his eyes, but they're not bold enough to do it when he's looking. They're grumbling now because he's asleep. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. We've never went this far before. We, this, this is kind of unorthodox. This is, this is inconvenient. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's rain. I'm telling He set us up. He set more rain. The waves. It's all, it's all going to be okay. Are coming. And the storm is brewing. And now they find themselves in a topsy-turvy environment. And they could have walked. Because ground is not topsy-turvy. And ground don't jump up out of itself and get in your boat. And ground don't try to drown you. In most cases. So now he's asleep. But Jesus is a rabbi. So everything he does points to a prior text. 
Everything that he does points to a prior story. Everything that he does is an effort to teach them. They know the word of God. They know the Jewish writings. And so now they find themselves, they find themselves in a storm and Jesus is asleep. And there's only one other story that they know of where somebody has been in a storm and they've been asleep. So I think Jesus is doing that fake sleep. Oh, some of y'all acting like you've never done it. Saturday morning, mother walks in. It's a brand new day. It's the day that the Lord has made. So let's get up and do some chores. Turns on the light, starts playing the piano, and you try to fake sleep. She don't believe it. I know you're up. Get up. Get up. Stop fake sleeping. We got a real day and real chores. So you grumbly get out of bed and you do your thing. So I think Jesus has got a little fake sleep going on. He's trying to teach them an object lesson. He's trying to call forth the text of Jonah. He's trying to remind them of what happened last time. Somebody allowed themselves to fall into lethargy and run from the mission and the mandate of God. Even when Jesus is silent, he is sleeping. Even when he seems immobile, he is speaking. Even when it seems as if heaven has went dormant in your world, I want you to know in a storm, he's teaching you, he's developing you, he's cultivating you, he's growing you. So all of a sudden, Wake him up. He gets up. He begins to hush the winds and the waves. He begins to declare peace. And the Bible says that the elements begin to bow to his authority. As they look around and they realize that even the winds and the sea and the waves and the water obey him and now they have went through an inconvenient unnecessary storm but there is a man who is in the tombs he is a cast out one he is in chains surrounded by spit vomit blood Vileness, suicidal thoughts, horrific attacks, loneliness, depression, with no hope for living another moment. He has been bound, but he's broken every fetter and he's broken every chain. The Bible calls him a man of the city because he's not always been this way. He's not always been living in the caves. But somebody has kicked him out and somebody has, has casted him out. And the closest thing that the Bible notifies us that he is to is two things. Pigs and tombs. 
you got to have watchful eyes. And you can't fall into selective memory. When you were without God and society pushed you away, did not have time for you, and allowed you to live among death and uncleanliness, where no man could pass by him. It's just another night howling, growling, crying. He does not know what the next moment is going to bring. He is in and out of consciousness. He is delirious. He is in a detrimental dark state, tormented by waves and clouds and choppiness within his spirit. And another boat comes sailing across the sea. He's living among the tombs. He knows what death looks like. He's seen people crash. He's seen people die. He's seen things decay and rot. He, he's seen what a storm can do. But all of a sudden, as he peers into the fog, there is a man that begins to stand up. He cannot hear what he is saying, but he sees his mouth moving. And all of a sudden, the winds begin to calm and the waves begin to bow. And the elements that seem so treacherous now give way to a great calm. And all of a sudden, something begins to stir up and bow up within him. And he says, surely, surely, if that man can bring calm to that storm, he could possibly bring calm to this storm. Can I tell you, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, I'm willing to put you through inconvenience. I'm willing to put you through a temporary storm on the outside to get to a storm on the inside. I submit to you tonight that the storm is bigger than you. I submit to you that the storm involves more than you. I submit to you that it is not an unnecessary storm. I submit to you that Jesus is willing to inconvenience his bride, willing to inconvenience his sons and his daughters, willing to inconvenience this church because there is a man that has been driven to dry places. There is a man that has been driven to lonely places. There is a man that has been driven... Sometimes God has to use a contrary wind to get you to his perfect will. We've been talking a lot about where the wind would take us. The wind is going to take us to favor. The wind is going to take us to blessing. The wind is going to take us to anointing. I submit to you that the wind is going to take you to a soul.
Wednesday night conference wasn't just anointed by accident. Thursday wasn't just by accident. Friday, the wind wasn't blowing by happenstance. Yesterday, the wind wasn't moving just because. No, something is moving us. Something is driving us. Something is propelling us. Every wind is not always positive. Some winds are negative. But God can use a storm to get you to a storm. God can use you. But he's got to put you through inconvenience to get you to revival. He's got to put me through inconvenience to get me to the miraculous. He's got to put me through inconvenience to answer my prayer. Would you lift up your hands just for a moment all across this house? For just a moment, would you let the Holy Ghost pour out of you for just a moment? Come on, East Wind. We're being called to the other side. We're being called into the unknown. We're being called into places where our feet of faith have not trod and stepped foot before. You can be seated for just a moment. The Bible says there was two men. Because captivity loves company. I said captivity loves company. If you want to be spiritual, the quickest way is to find someone else who is spiritual. If you want to be carnal, the quickest way to be carnal is to find someone else who is. Because the Bible says that the prodigal joined himself to a person, an individual of a far country. Every person is connected to a place. So it's not just about who you know. It's about where are they taking you? Where are they taking you? Where are they taking Pastor, you gotta take me to a place of revival. Youth pastor, you gotta take me to a place of consecration. Musician, you gotta take me to a place of an anointing. You're taking me somewhere. So where are you taking me? I don't know what happened to the plurality. All I know is that one man, singular, decided within himself he was going to run and he was going to worship. He was filled to the brim with the demonic. He was frothing with demons. He was convulsing with hell, having torment. But when he made up his mind to move towards heaven, I'm just really convinced that we glamorize the devil way too much. I'm really convinced that, 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 that we, we, we give a little bit too much credit to the adversary. There's two things that run to and fro. The devil runs to and fro, but the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the crayon box, but that tells me that God saw me before the devil could get to me. There's only one devil, 
And if he's going to get to you, he's going to have to get to you. And even if he runs as hard as he can, he's still going to have to run until he can find you and get to you. But almighty God just has to glance at you. Oh, I know you're being watched. I know you're being followed. But some of you are blaming it on the devil. I'm being watched. But it's not the devil that's watching me. It's the eyes of the divine. Heaven is scouting me. He's looking for destiny. He's looking for potential. He's looking for somebody to deliver. Come on, something is after you, but it's not always hell. It's not always problematic. It's not always demonic. Mercy is following you. Grace is following you. Heaven is watching you. Oh, I wish you just lift your hands for just a moment. I wish you lift your voice for just a moment. The miraculous is looking for you. The supernatural is looking for you. And I just can't help but believe with, that while the eyes of the disciples are looking at the storm on the outside, the eyes of the Lord are looking at a storm on the inside. Yeah, I know we could walk around here. Pastor, we don't have to push as much. We don't have to pray as much. We don't have to sacrifice. There is a shortcut. There's a shortcut to lethargy. There's a shortcut to complacency. There's a shortcut to average, but there's never a shortcut to revival. So the eyes of the Lord are looking at a man that's full of vileness. But when that man sees Jesus, the Bible says... He begins to run to worship him. I am convinced that hell does not have us so much bound by the strength of his chains, but by the strength of our cooperation. You see, I've seen, I, I, I'm a PK. I've had a front row seat to church all my life. Doesn't mean I'm an expert, doesn't mean I've arrived. I've just, I just observed a few things. And you know what I've observed? I've observed people that come in with a little offense, a little bit of pettiness, a little bit of junk. And they come waltzing into the house of the Lord. They kick back, chill. Notice there's a light missing. Sister Samantha let her baby eat Cheerios last service and nobody cleaned it up. <laughs> Man, that drummer is great, but back in my day, <laughs> I wouldn't have missed that note. God bless pastor. He's trying to get me out of my seat <laughs> next time. We'll let him bring in an evangelist and preach the same thing and then go berserk. <laughs> you're laughing because it's true 
and some of us are laughing because it's me and you. But then I've watched people come in under the bondage of hell. They weren't dealing with something little. They were wrestling with something seismic. And they came in, weighted down. They came in on the verge of losing their mind. They came in shackled and bound. But I watched as Mr. Chilville sat over there and stared and didn't do nothing. But I watched Mr. Captive on the first song, on the second song, on the third song. You see, you're not always bound by the strength of your chains. You're bound by your cooperation. But I've seen too many people coming to a Sunday night and say, I'm going to give them the glory anyway. Until all of a sudden, somebody got loosed. Somebody got liberated because they made up in their mind, I don't got to deal with this. I don't got to accept this. I don't have to cooperate. I want to just give you 20 seconds not to cooperate. you got to bust a move sometimes you got to be radical sometimes you got to step out of stagnation and say whatever it takes I'll roll I'll hop I'll jump but I'm not staying bound oh I'm reaching for somebody right now I need a husband to not cooperate I need a wife to not cooperate. I need a young person in the back to say, I'm not about to cooperate. Oh, some of you still acting chill. Some of you still going through the motions. Some of you still going through the routines. But there's somebody in this house. You can't wait till another service. Can you just hear me for just a moment? Brother Kevin, the Bible said he had been bound a long time. That's what the adversaries told some of you. Uh, pardon me, I'm just going to catch my breath a moment. I've had too much Chick-fil-A this week. Not enough keto. See, this is the deal. The Bible said he had been bound a long time. And you can't always get deliverance from something long time when you only give God a short time praise. We want to stomp our foot once, show up, not have to get up, and expect God to blow up. Sometimes you got to move. Sometimes you got to weigh your feet. 
Sometimes you don't leap because you got joy. Sometimes you got to leap for joy. And you got to leap for deliverance. And you got to... I'm not leaping because I got it. I'm leaping because I'm about to... My day is not going to determine my worship, but my worship will determine my day. Oh, that's somebody who's not cooperating. That was somebody who's saying enough is enough. That's somebody saying I ain't going to deal with this any longer. I want you to help me out, brother. I want you to help me out. Brother Kevin, you can come to the piano. We're going to fake them out. We're going to make them think I'm almost done. So you're the man that's been bound. You're the man that is arresting him. You're legion. You're the devil. I'll give you a Chili's gift card later. Just do it, okay? You got him arrested. Bro, you're going to be that nice, you can't be the devil. <laughs> Actually, sometimes the devil's pretty nice. Disguises himself as an angel of light. That's another Bible study. All right. So all of a sudden, get on your knees. He comes and he, don't play yet. Don't play yet. We're just making, don't play yet. Don't play yet. We're just making them think I'm almost done, but I'm not almost done. I got two more points. So he's ran and he's worshiped him. And the devil start talking. Because anytime God shows up, hell speaks up. I don't understand. I, I, there's some people that say, I don't, I don't understand, Pastor. I come into the presence of God and I, I still feel the weight of sin. I still feel the weight of condemnation. and I still feel the lust and the bitterness and the dreadedness and, and the hatredness. And, I, and I'm in the presence of God. And I smile. Because I want my past in the presence of God. I want suicidal thoughts in the presence of God. I want my hatred in the presence of God. I want my bitterness in the presence of God. So he's ran and he's worshiped and he's in the presence of God. And so now Jesus is about to have a face-to-face -face meeting. And the devil speaks up. Says, don't, don't torment us before our time. No, 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 don't torment us before our time. Hell was convinced Jesus was too early. So don't laugh at me if I'm equally convinced he's not too late. Hell thought 
Jesus has stepped on that shore too soon. So don't mock me on a Sunday night when I shout and say, it's not too late for my family to be saved. It's not too late for me to have a healing. It's not too late for my it's not too late for my baby. It's not too late for my marriage. It's not too late. What did Jesus say? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Legion. Bro, you let him go. About to have to hire a new devil. What's your name? Say Legion. What's your name? What's your name? Legion. What's your name? Legion. What's your name? Legion. Now what's your name? Legion. <laughs> the devil always gets nervous and tongue-tied in the presence of Jesus. There are questions that heaven are asking that we're letting fear answer. We're letting doubt answer. We're letting suicidal thoughts answer. We're letting our condemnation answer. We're le Something may have arrested you, but it doesn't have to speak for you. I need a mama to make up in her mind. I'm speaking for myself. I'm prophesying for myself. What's your name? Legion. And the final request of hell. We know we have to leave him. Come here. Yeah, 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 you. Stand right there. Point to him. Point to him. You, yeah, yeah. no, no, you. The final request of hell. I know I have to leave him. But do you mind if I stay in the area? Go back and read the story in all the synoptic gospels. There came a moment when hell knew it was going to have to go. And there comes a moment when hell knows you're going to be delivered. So its next question is, I know you're going to be delivered, but does she have to be delivered? Because as much as captivity loves company, miraculous loves company, healing loves company. I know COVID is contagious, but your faith is contagious. And if you ever get healed, if a prodigal ever comes back, if you, the deliverance is going to get on somebody else. The healing's going to get on someone else. The, Come here, four or five guys. Hurry, 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 hurry. I thought y'all knew how to hustle. Now you're, you're, you're chained up. You're bound, all of you guys. But if you get delivered, help him get delivered. Oh, man, help him get delivered. Help him. That's another way to do it. 
when one person gets delivered your mama can get delivered your professor can get delivered the atheist neighbor can get I don't know if you know it but hell knows it if you ever get delivered Palm Bay will get delivered the barista at Starbucks will get if you started dancing somebody besides you start dancing Can I just make a new rule? I'm not bishop, I'm not pastor, I'm not secretary. I'm, I'm just a small part of this great symphony of oracles that have given a clear clarion call. You ever watched an orchestra that had a cowbell? You got the saxophone, you got the clarinet, you got the cello, you got the organ, and then you got a cowbell. Oh, oh you, you, you've never seen a cowbell in an orchestra? Welcome to your first orchestra with a cowbell. I've just got one job tonight. Everything's been played. All the buildup has happened. We've come to the climatic moment. All I've got to do is. So I just got to make a little rule. Can I make a little rule? Nobody runs the aisles by themselves. Nobody comes to the altar by themselves. Nobody intercedes but Because if I can ever get somebody to dance with me, they'll get somebody to dance with them. If I can ever run, somebody else will start running. If I start praying, someone else is going to start praying. If I start giving, if I start witnessing, if I start submitting, somebody else will. Oh, I want to give you another 20 seconds. Dance until somebody else is dancing. Worship until somebody else is worshiping. Run until somebody else is running. I'm sorry, I can't let them run by themselves. We run together, we believe together, we celebrate together, we weep together, we unify together. This isn't just a church, this is a family. I've got brothers, I've got sisters.
Can I just sneak forward for just a moment? You can play, Brother Kevin. Can we just sneak forward for just a moment? The Bible says he's going to come. He's going to get delivered. But you know what's going to happen? The Reco-Roman society came out and said, the man that nobody could pass by has met this man named Jesus. And the man at the feet of Jesus, he said, Jesus, don't leave. Don't go. But the city came out. And they said, Jesus, don't stay. We are in a culture that celebrates your dysfunction, but they mock your deliverance. Netflix don't understand this. Hollywood doesn't understand this. The White House doesn't always understand this. Your neighbor's house doesn't always understand this. But if you've ever been naked, if you've ever been without peace and you found yourself at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in your right mind. You know what the Bible said? Jesus looked at him. Said, you gotta stay. You gotta go back to your house. Oh, I thought he was living in the tombs. Just because you're living in fear does not mean fear is your home. There's some times that the trials of life brings me into its clutches. I sometimes visit the home of fear, but it's not my house. I don't live there. I decide not to cooperate. I begin to get my joy back. I begin to get my worship back. I don't care how long you've been bound. I don't care how long you've been suffering. There's a place. There's a place. There's a place. And Jesus will go through a storm to get to a storm so that he can restore you to your rightful place because the tombs are not your home. Uncleanliness is not your home. Addiction is not your home. Depression is not your home. Church hurt is not your home. Trauma is not your home. Everybody else said, Jesus, you got to go. And they left. But you know what the Bible says? Jesus visits the capitalists one more time. And when he comes back, there's 4,000. I didn't realize this until before service. I've studied this at least two times. This story, this narrative, this message. He feeds them with seven pieces. And when it's all said and done, there's seven baskets. Oh, it, it, it. 
because Jesus knows how to use a storm to get you to glory, to get you to perfection, to get you to... I have a word for somebody right now. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. What's going to change? I've had family reject this message. I've had co-workers. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't know who rejected you in 2019. And I don't know who rejected you in 2016. And I don't know who has rejected you in 2020. But there's about to be a revival of people who have rejected this. Family members are about to be receptive. That looked at you with their stone cold faces. Hear me, I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost. There's about to be friends and co-workers and neighbors that doubt says, logic says, you've talked about it before, but when you go back, somebody's gonna receive you who used to reach. I need someone to lift their hands right now. I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, there's some people in nursing homes. They're coming to the end of their life, but they're getting ready to receive. They've rejected you. They've not wanted to talk about God. They've not wanted to think about God. They've not wanted to believe in God. Let's just stop here for just a moment. I feel something in the Holy Ghost. Come on, lift your hands as high as you can. Lift up your voices for just a moment. Come on, I know God's going to lead us to blessings and favor and anointing, but God's going to lead you to a soul. God's going to lead you to a Bible study. God's going to lead you to a neighborhood. God's going to lead you to an atheist. God's going to lead you to a Muslim. God's going to lead you to somebody hungry. Hear me. Can I have just a few more minutes? Oh, oh if, you're, if you're able, I want, I want all the kids under 10 to join me on the platform. Can you do that? All, all the kids under 10, if you want to. I'm not here to embarrass anybody, scare anybody. But if you want to come on, hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Can you give our kids a hand? We can shout, we can dance, we can do whatever, but I got to follow the Holy Ghost for just a moment. I'm the oldest of four. I've got three brothers and sisters. I've got a sister named Elizabeth, a sister named Madeline, and a brother named Grayson. Grayson's about to turn... Uh, 13, Madeline's about to turn 15 on Tuesday. I'm flying in to see her and my sister just turned 23. Siblings are souls too. Kids are souls too. The Sunday school group are souls too. I feel to speak two things. Number one, God's getting ready to lead you to people that have rejected you. That's number one. But number two, there's getting ready to be, this may sound cliche, but there's getting ready to be an uncommon, I know not everyone can even be up here, but there's getting ready to be an uncommon 
radical craving for God by these kids. I didn't say teenagers, I didn't say hyphen, I said these kids. I was a young, I didn't figure, have it all figured out, but I was six years old when I got the Holy Ghost in my home. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in a home. I was raised in a home who took me to church. It's not up to the youth pastors, it's up to the parents. It's not up to bishop and pastor, it's up to you and the sanctuary of your, is this all right? I feel this in the Holy Ghost. We've got to bring prayer back into our homes. I got the Holy Ghost after a devotion around the kitchen table. And we had prayed and I went to get ready for bed and something was rattling me. And so I went back to mom and dad and I said, can I, can I just pray one more time? And we prayed beside my bed and I began to speak in tongues. And after I got the Holy Ghost, I didn't know what to do. And so I said, I, I said can I run the aisles? I had a big room. Then all my siblings came. But I used to have a big room and I I kid you not, I started running around the room and I became an aisle runner at the age of six in my bedroom because I had never, oh, I'd gotten GI Joes and I'd gotten toys and I'd gotten books. But when I got the Holy Ghost, there was nothing like it. Hear me, hear me. Are you with me? Stay with me for just a moment. The Bible says there was the feeding of the 4,000 in Decapolis. That was the cast out ones. That's where wickedness was. That's where vileness was. The feeding of the 4,000. I have that right? Yes. But before the feeding of the 4,000, there was the feeding of the 5,000. And it was in Bethsaida. That's where the religious people was. But you know what is, you know what horrifies me, doctor? Is that there was a little boy surrounded by church people, surrounded by religion, surrounded by everybody that knew how to do it, and somebody packed him a lunch. And somebody sent him on a journey they weren't willing to go themselves. And so a little boy shows up. Nobody's sitting with him. Nobody's around him. He's had a lunch, so they knew it was going to be a long trip. They knew he was going to get hungry. This is the challenge that I feel in the Holy Ghost. I don't know how you expected this to end. I don't know how I expected this to end. But there are people in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And while you celebrate my zeal and you celebrate their future... What's your name, buddy? Xavier. Xavier. Don't pack him a lunch. To a spiritual journey that you're not willing to go with him to. Because I need to get the Holy Ghost by myself. I got the Holy Ghost 
when somebody said that happened to be my mom and dad let me pray with you I don't know what would happen if they said just go and pray a little while and see what God does but I had somebody say I'm not just going to pack a lunch for you I've come to this is the second word there's room for another lunch you may be 50 but you can help somebody get to Jesus you may not have a biological son or daughter but you can disciple somebody I know they're leading us into our future but don't tell them the fast Show them how. Don't tell them to witness. Show them how. Don't tell them to intercede. Show them how. Don't tell them to submit to their pastor. Show them how. Can you lift up your hands all across this house? I'm done. Can you lift up your hands all across this house? Come on, God's going to send us to the atheists and the alcoholics, but God's sending you to your siblings. God's sending you to your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. Come on, if you don't, if you got a prodigal that's not in this church, find a first generation, find a guest, find somebody and show them. Would you just find someone to pray with all across this house? Do what you feel to do right now. Do what you feel to do right now. Come on, don't send someone to Jesus. Show them mama. Show them daddy. Show them elder. Come on, usher, you got to show them. Come on, singer, you got to show them. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. We're going into new territory. We're going into new dominion. We're going to go there. We're going to go there. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Let's take our babies to the other side. Let's take our family to the other side. Let's take our neighbors to the other side. Let's take our grandparents to the other side. Let's take this city to the other side. Come on, if you're if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a parent, come pray with some of these children right now. Walk across the sanctuary. Walk across the aisle.
Before the 
I need you more More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you more I need you more I need the I don't want to extend this longer than the Holy Ghost is moving. But if you have family here, I, I want you to find your family. Could you do that for just a moment? And if you don't have family here, I want you to find a brother. I want you to find a sister. I want to be respectful of everyone's privacy and social distancing and 
There may be some people that are in the back on purpose. I don't, I don't want to mess anybody up. But if you have family here, I, I want you to find them. There may be some sons and daughters in here. You're a little older. That's all right. I want you to, if you've got parents here, if you've got an uncle here, you've got an aunt here. I, I want you to find somebody. And... Uh, I, I want everybody to look at me for just a moment, just a moment. I say this very humbly. And um, you're not just a part of a church, you're a part of a family. And the beautiful thing about East Wind is you may not have a father in church, a mother in church. You may not have grandparents in church. But you've got brothers and sisters in this house that can be a spiritual mother and be a spiritual father. And you've got people in this house that know how to pray. I'm not a parent. I'm not acting like a parent. I'm not trying to give parental advice. But I really feel this in the Holy Ghost. I shouted up. Lift up your voices for just a moment all across this house. I want you to look at me for just a moment. I remember being in a service and there was a lady that had given a tongue interpretation. She was an elderly lady. She had gray hair and after service she came up to me and she said, I, I, I told the Lord before service, if there's anything new that you want to do through me, I'm available. What I did not know, Brother Avan, is that her daughter would come to me a few seconds later and said, just so you know, 
Mom just celebrated her 100th birthday last Sunday. And a lady that respectfully has to be driven to church needs more assistance than most of us to live could say, Lord, whatever you're doing, don't do it without me. Surely, hear me in the Holy Ghost. I rebuke the lie. I'm so thankful for the millennial generation and Z and whoever else. I don't know it all either myself. But we need the 30-year-olds and the 40-year-olds and the 50-year-olds and the 60-year-olds and the 70-year-olds. And if you're breathing, we need you. This is what I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost. There are prayers that you have prayed and are praying. Some of you have biological children. Some of you have spiritual children in this room. Some of you have children that are prodigals that are coming back. I said, some of you have prodigals that are coming back. They're coming to themselves. So this applies physically and spiritually. It's not just about what you're doing. It's about who you're raising. Some of the greatest works of God, some of you will do for heaven. It's the child or the new convert that you help raise. God's using you to raise intercessors and prayer warriors and missionaries and prophets and evangelists. And so you're with your family, whether biological or spiritual. And I'm just going to ask for the event to pray, and then I'm going to ask Sister Sophia to pray. And I just believe, I just believe that just as Jesus told that man he had to go home our deliverance is not going to end in this altar our deliverance and our breakthroughs and our prophecies and our promises have to make their way into our home would you lift up your hands and your voices pray what you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we raise our voices collectively in this house right now you declared whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and that which we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven God we believe there is a work to be done through our prayers right now God and with the authority of your name Jesus and by the power of your spoken word God we declare right now that there is a work that you're going to do God Though we might be waiting, we know that you're working. And we know as long as we have life, we still have purpose. God, I pray you put power with our purpose right now. Let us realize as long as we're alive and not dead, you're not done. That you're still doing it, God. I pray right now in the holy name of Jesus. Let it come to pass. In the name of Jesus, we know Satan hath desired to have us, but you're praying for us, God. You're making intercession this very moment with groanings we can't even understand, God. Let the spirit of your kingdom work right now. In Jesus' name. 
God, give them strength. Give these parents strength because they are raising up missionaries. They are raising up pastors. They are raising up youth leaders. They are raising up altar workers. They are raising up prophecy, prophecies. God, they are raising up the new generation. God, they are raising up the people, your people, Lord Jesus, that will fight the battles. God, they will fight against, they will fight against rallies. They will fight, God, for your word, Jesus. You're raising up. Give them strength. Give these parents strength because they can take the easy way or they can go through the storm, Jesus. God, give them strength, Jesus, that they may go. Let him go through the storm because you'll be with them, Jesus. You'll be with them through the storm. I would say to you this, this night that God permits people, Pastor Myers, to bear certain thorns in the flesh. How can I help you with anxiety if I've never dealt with it? How can I help you fight depression if I've never fought depression? How can I tell you to find freedom from addiction if I've never been set free myself? I need not to dive into details except for to be transparent in this one thing that I know for sure. I said it when I was praying and I want, to hear, I want everyone to hear it now. If you're not dead, God's not done. What's remarkable is that when Jesus comes to town, something always happens. And I remember standing with Pastor Myers in this back aisleway, and I had come for Christmas break, and this whole place was under construction. And it didn't dawn on me until just a few moments ago. You asked me if I had felt anything, and I didn't, but I do now. So I'll be very quick. There was a spiritual work taking place in the realm of construction for Eastwind before the name change took place. It was birthed in the heart of this man of God. And he was so excited. You remember us talking back there, Pastor? He was so thrilled. And... I watched him as he preached that Sunday morning to explain to you the heartbeat of the church. I saw all the logos displayed on this wall from the time that First Pentecostal Church had a logo and then another logo, another logo, another logo. And then I saw Eastwind and I heard the thunderous applause. You know why there was a thunderous applause? Because it wasn't just his vision. It became your vision. And without a vision... People perish. But there is an army that's risen, and I believe that God is fixing to take the vision of that east wind.
And I believe that God began to initiate the blowing of the winds again. So here's what I want to do before we leave. I'm going to dare you to have the audacity to declare no more fear, no more pain, no more anxiety. But if you do have to live with it for the moment, you're not living with it alone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Is anybody thankful for the comfort of the shepherd? Come on, just one more time, Eastwind. I think we ought to just put a, a lid right now and take it in our hands and throw it off and say, the sky is not the limit. We can go higher. We can go deeper. We can go stronger. Come on, Eastwind, lift your voice right now and give every utterance inside of you voices louder and higher than your hands are raised and say, in Jesus' name we declare the winds will continue to blow. It's not just a weak experience. This is now our life. This is the reason we exist. Let the wind blow without fear or favor. Come on, let the winds of heaven activate an apostolic outpouring like never before upon this pastor, upon his family, upon this leadership team. Upon this congregation, from the front to the back and side to side, against every musician, I bind every adversary that would be contrary to the winds of Pentecost. Let them blow in this tabernacle. Let them blow in this tabernacle. Come on, keep that roar. Let the devil know we're not going anywhere. We're marching and moving forward by the power of his spirit.